we have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to U.S. Congressman Dan Muser, a Republican in the 109th District out of Dallas, Pennsylvania, and uh, he's on the line now, sir. Thanks for calling in. Morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning to you both, Mark and Joe. Good morning to all you listeners. Well, so the you last so time you were on, I asked you a question about Dr. Oz, and you pointed out that President Trump, like a broken clock, got some things right twice a day, but that he was wrong in supporting uh, Oz. No, he got some things wrong twice right. a day. So now, Oz is our nominee. How do you feel about him now? Can you get behind him? Yeah, well, yes, certainly I was supporting uh, Dave McCormick. Uh, Dave's a tremendous uh, person and I think uh, would have been a great uh, U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. Uh, I've I've since spoken to Dr. Oz a couple of times. I was very impressed. I had met him during the course of the campaign. Um, He uh, has uh, humility. Uh, He has uh, dedication. I think he's a patriot. Uh, and I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to serve the Commonwealth uh, extremely well in the U.S. Senate. Well, that's I'm glad to hear you say that. But the last time we talked, I asked you if uh, Doug Mastriano was electable, and you, you felt he was. Uh, he's now a little bit behind in the polls. How do you see the governor's race shaping up in the fall? Well, look, uh, Pennsylvania's been on the wrong path under Tom Wolf, uh, from our freedoms to law and order to... Philadelphia turning into uh, the, the, the homicide capital of the of the world, to our economy being lackluster at best. Um, we're we're just not we're just not exciting. Uh, Texas, Florida, heck, even Georgia, Indiana, for that matter, is where is where companies are moving. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, and so we need another a new direction. And I'm looking for uh, a plan from uh, from Doug Doug Mastriano. Uh, I'm certainly going to be supporting him over over Josh Shapiro. I mean, Josh, you know, it's like if you, if, if you like Tom Wolf, you're going to love Josh Shapiro. Um, he's he's kind of um, you know Wolf on steroids, if you will. So so you know, big government, no respect for the private sector, and um, doesn't understand what I think is basic economics, which is uh, help companies and businesses thrive, and that's what creates revenues. I was revenue secretary. I know something about that and um and improves quality of life so we need we need an exciting plan for pennsylvania and i'm hoping uh the uh, the next governor has one and, and executes it well let's move on to some washington dc topics the january 6th committee you've already said that you have no faith in them in part because it's so one-sided and as we saw in the hearings it's really uh, uh, definitely targeting president trump without really any significant objectivity that i detected uh your view lately on these public hearings that they're having and each one kind of hones in on a particular aspect either the big lie or the president's uh, uh, henchmen surrounding him at the White House, encouraging him to do the wrong thing. Uh, your view on these hearings lately? Well, yeah, like you, like you said, I mean, we discussed before the the idea of the commission started okay, and then it quickly changed. Uh, the chairman, who's a Democrat, changed one word from his uh, prior to this. He needed consent from his co-chair, which would have been a Republican, and they changed that word to advise. So right away, uh, uh, the Democrats were going to be in charge. Uh, they refused um, two of our committee members, um, Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. Uh, they replaced them with the two Republicans that hated President Trump uh, to, uh, uh, the most um, or, and to no end. 
like like their lives depend upon it. Um, imagine imagine market jury selection where one attorney gets to choose the jury that hates the defendant passionately. <laughs> I think I've had yeah. that happen. No, okay. Can anything good come out of January sixth? We're going to do a lot of investigating. We're going to hear a lot of testimony. We're kind of finding where everybody stands on this. Uh, can anything good come out of it? Maybe some positive election changes. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, right now, it, it appears to be just a hunt to find who said what to Donald Trump and how he acted upon it. Not once does, does it come up about the security of the Capitol. And here, the police report, the Capitol Police uh, record finally came out. Just so you and your listeners know, on January 2nd, the Trump administration's Department of Defense called the Capitol Police and said, are you going to have a added security? Should we call the National Guard? The Cap Police on January 2nd uh, said, no, we, uh, we don't think so. But on January 4th, the Capitol Police called the Sergeant of Arms in the, the U.S. Capitol that reports to Nancy Pelosi and said, maybe we should have the National Guard there. And the, and the Sergeant of Arms said, no, that's not going to be necessary. You know, I'd like to see, if this thing's supposed to be balanced, I'd like to see that discussion uh, take place, and um, and and it not just be just uh, uh, doing everything they they can to disparage uh, Trump. Look, there is no question that that rally should have been called off. Okay, I had enough anecdotal uh, intelligence that that uh, where I told my staff not to come in that day. I was certainly on the House floor. I was there when mayhem was taking place, and a number of maniacs were smashing their way in, into the House floor as, as, as we were blocking uh, the door with, with benches and, and, and all. So it was an ugly day. It was a bad day. It was a terrible mark on our, on our history. Um, but if they, 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 you know, this thing is, is quite political, meaning this commission. And sure, I, we'd all like to know what was the cause, what happened, how, was, how do we miss all of this so it doesn't happen again. Let's uh, move to the next really hot topic, which is the potential uh, ruling by the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade. Um, recently, the Congress did enact over the votes of 27 negative votes from Democrats uh, to provide protection for the families of the Supreme Court justices. You know, where do you see this going? Uh, if we do wind up getting a, a verdict on that uh, issue that displeases those on the left, do you think we'll have a summer of discontent? Well, you know what? I wonder what a summer of discontent means to the left. Does that mean burning, burning cities and, and torching police cars uh, and getting in, in police officers' faces and spitting at them, like we saw, like we saw uh, uh, a couple of summers ago? Was it last summer? So, so look, the, the Supreme Court rules on, on constitutionality. Let's see what the ruling was. We know that there was a, a leak for the purpose of creating uh, this hysteria. Uh, and messaging and, you know, how horrible the Republicans are. Look, I, I am pro-life. I, I, however, respect the Constitution and respect those that we work for, those that we represent, uh, all of those that we represent, Republicans and Democrats. So we do have law and order. Uh, we, we can handle this with dignity. We need to see, and civility, we need to see what the actual ruling is going to be and work on 
work on the, um, the framework of how that's going to be handled moving forward. You know, a lot of this is, is brought on by, by the Democrats themselves. You know, we, we had a petition not too long ago, and they, they've just gotten so extreme on this, where, where we had a petition that would against, petitioning against live birth abortions. Okay, you heard me right, live birth abortions. And the Democrats had one member, one member of the entire, over, over, well over 200 uh, of my colleagues on the Democrat side would not sign a petition against live birth abortions. So, you know, you know, I don't think the American public supports that. So we're going to, uh, we're going to see where this goes and, and, and settle it in, in a manner uh, that, that should be acceptable to our Constitution, to law and order, and to people's health protections moving forward. Well, of course, if the Supreme Court does come down on it, it's still just an opinion based on existing legislation. Is there any chance that, that we will ever get some kind of legislation that passes both houses of Congress and is signed by the President that deals with this in some kind of an effective way? I, uh, you know what? I, I doubt it on a, on a federal level. I mean, it's not impossible. Not, not, nothing seems to be. But there's a lot to be said for giving uh, state rights. I mean, the Tenth Amendment. I mean, states, the states uh, uh, should be those that handle uh, laws and anything that's not within the purview of the United States Constitution. That's what the Tenth Amendment says. And it's, and it's, a, it's a pretty smart amendment. So it would become under the jurisdiction of the state. All right, let's move on to the, uh, it's just a framework or a conversation now about uh, changes in gun laws that might make us safer, red flag laws, age limit proposal, all this is kind of being drafted now. Your view on on examining these ideas when they get to your desk? Well, I'll tell you what, um, we were all um, aghast at what occurred, right, in Buffalo and in Uvalde, and... um, uh, you know, there's no question. You have to think. You know, uh, it, could someone I love could this happen in our communities? Uh, because certainly people were massacred uh, that many people love. So it's it's. I think it's smart to look at the causes here and do our very best to uh, stop them within the again the confines of the U.S. Constitution, which I took an oath uh, to uphold. So we do have mental illness issues. Uh, we do have school protection issues. Um, we have, uh, w- w- there are things where there's um, uh, juvenile backgrounds that should be reviewed. I mean, if, if a juvenile uh, committed all kinds of violent crimes when they were 16, I don't see why that should not sh- uh, uh, show up on on the, um, uh, uh, on the Knicks uh, on, on the Knicks um, uh, program, uh, in the back, you know, the background checks for for purchasing firearms. Um, so, you know, a, it's a lot of the Senate framework deals with mental illness. In fact, I think this is far more than a gun bill. It's a mental illness, uh, violence prevention, and school protection bill uh, because that's that's what it deals with. There, there are no added prohibitions on on firearms. Uh, in, in this bill. So there's a lot of it that I, I think is on the right track. Uh, the devil's in the details. Uh, the idea of early intervention, if, if um, they, they narrowed it quite a bit, 
where it's only a family member, a police officer, or a health professional uh, can alert the uh, the authorities that someone is saying or doing something online or in general that they're going to harm themselves or someone else, and then an intervention could take place, as is written in this in this framework. Again, we got to see the details, and then um, due process must must take place in order to. Um, in, in order to take any action, real due process in front of a judge. So again, I I don't know uh, where I will will come down on, on on this as far as voting goes. We must see all the context, um, but it does address mental illness, school protection, violence prevention, and it has no it has no knee jerk reaction in it to just trying to ban certain firearms, which, uh, frankly, I mean, you know, the Democrats come, come across as just foolish, ridiculous, and, and don't even do their homework on some of the hearings that took place right. when they speak of banning certain weapons. Just about out of time, so I want to, we have two questions left. One, how do we balance free speech versus U.S. Supreme Court justice security? You're going to get a chance to vote on that before too long. Yeah, well, you know, the justices and their families must have protection. Um, we There is a law on the books right now that you cannot uh, uh, march on, persuade, uh, or uh, or affect the lives of, of, of judges for the purpose of, of changing their point of view. That's on the books, and that's not being enforced. So, you know, even going back to the uh, the firearms issue, I mean, we should just be looking to enforce the laws that are on the books. You know, we've got we've got dozens, dozens, hundreds of, of fatalities taking place in cities and be, because the laws aren't being enforced. The fact of this issue, yeah, I certainly plan to vote to provide added protection for justices under uh, this situation and their families. It's, it's absolutely outrageous that Nancy Pelosi has let it gone this far. I mean, it passed by unanimous, unanimous consent in the, um, uh, in, in the Senate, and, and, and she let it go for, for several days, which we, we finally passed. So, you know, um, look, any, any, any level of, of violence and breaking the law should be, must be dealt with swiftly, and we, very sadly, are dealing with smash and grabs. We're dealing with just people more or less doing whatever they want, primarily in, in, in cities. And uh, we need to we need to strengthen our police force. We need to support our police force. And we got we got to put a stop to this. Amen. Dan, last question. President Biden on Tuesday of this week yelled, I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. What? Well, they are changing people's lives with record high inflation, gas prices, food prices. I mean, they're driving people into bankruptcy. So how about spreading some of those lies about reckless spending? What impact is that having on this inflation as far as you're concerned? Yeah, it's terrible. It, it certainly uh, contributes to it. It just adds fuel to the fire. Look, we have some challenging economic issues, uh, but everything the Biden administration did and far too many Democrats in the House and Senate uh, supported have, have exacerbated uh, in inflation, probably, probably doubled it. It would probably be, we'd have some, but it would be, in my view, about half. And, and, and how about the lack of courage that the president constantly shows. I mean, doesn't he know that that's so transparent when he's just pointing fingers and blaming? I mean, it's outrageous. I mean, he wrote a letter yesterday to the energy industry blaming them for 
price gouging and, and, and everything else. I mean, it's just awful without offering any sort of not listening to them at all on what the plan can be to bring down uh, the, the, the cost of, uh, of energy. And that is his ridiculous plan is, number one, to blame the Fed. And the Fed deserves some responsibility. Let's, let's, say, let's say a good 25%. I mean, the, Fed's, the Fed is the, is the, has the mandate of controlling inflation, but they can't control things that are out of their control, like Biden's assault on our domestic energy industry and the trillions of dollars of excessive spending that took place. That's not something that the Fed, Fed could control. So he's, he's, he's very tone deaf, um, just following like a woke, woke policy of blaming the Fed, releasing uh, uh, oil out of our, out of our reserves, uh, blaming the oil industry for price gouging, and he's going to fix it all, wait for it, by raising taxes on business. I mean, look, you know, there's no wonder his approval rating is, uh, at 25% or 27%, whatever it is. All right. Anything you'd like to add? We didn't ask you any remark or anything you'd like to add to our country, our conversation. Well, just so everybody knows what we're working on, I mean, clearly, you know, inflation uh, and clearly uh, trying to revive our, our domestic energy. You know, they're, they're looking at Saudi Arabia rather than, rather than Williamsport. They're, they're, they're looking at, at, at a, a, a Iraq and Iran, for crying out loud, rather than the Marcella Shell in Bradford. So that, that, that's pretty outrageous. And I'll also just add quickly, people need not, we can't forget about what's going on in the Ukraine. Um, I know we have our southern border issues, and, and that's so critical to us to stop this terrible flow of drugs and, and human trafficking and, and people. And again, that's something created, created by by the Biden administration and supported by far too many Democrats in the House that need to be voted out. Even if you like them that's, as, as a person, that business is business. They're voting and advocating for things that are hurting our economy and our national security. But just real quick on the Ukraine, what's happening there is, is devastating. I, I met all week, every day, with, with, with refugees, with uh, par, uh, parliamentary members. I had two meetings yesterday. And the atrocities that have taken place by the Russians are absolutely sickening, um, and they're not relenting. And uh, we just need to continue to support freedom over tyranny. Amen. All right, we got you. Thank you so Thanks, much for Dan. calling in. Come and visit us in person when you're in this part of your territory. We'd love to have you back in the studio. You're Thank always you. welcome, sir. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Joe, for the opportunity. Take care. Right. Uh, U.S. Congressman Dan Muser, 109th District out of Dallas, Pennsylvania, on uh, some of the hot topics.